Chris Miles of NBA TV, friend of the show, joins us. And Chris, <laughs> all I want to say is <laughs> the Kyrie saga, man. I texted you and just said, Kyrie, and <laughs> there, here we are. Here we are again. Kyrie Irving asking for a trade. Look, your reaction and uh, what happens now? Well, the craziest thing is um, about three or four weeks ago, you can go check the some of the air checks of our show the past couple of weeks. And Isaiah Thomas, you know, the legend Isaiah Thomas, not uh, the former Celtic, right? <laughs> right. He was he, he was like, um, he said something on the show about a month ago. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This seems way too, like, in the know to just say. And he was like, well, the, the Nets have to pay him now. Look at the way he's playing. I'm like, what? They don't have to give him a contract extension. He's like, oh, yeah, they do. (laughs) And the way he said it, I looked at him. I'm like, all right. So we go to commercial break, and I'm like, hey, what's going on here? And he's like, look, Kyrie Irving is like, I proved myself. You know, I played more games than LeBron and KD in the past year and a half with everything. And I looked it up, and it was true. You know, and that's what happens with these guys. They have, like, all of their stats guys, and people tell them things. And the fact that Kyrie has played more games than LeBron and played more games than KD – like his people use that. Like, look, he's he, as, as many things that you think about him off the court. He's playing basketball and he's playing at an elite level. So he said all those things. He's like, Kyrie needs some security. He wants to get an extension. And he wants it with the Nets. I'm like, okay, cool, right? That was like a month ago. And then this past week, Isaiah kept saying, "Time's ticking. Time's up." And I'm kind of like, eh, maybe this guy is off on this one. And sure enough, boom, it comes <laughs> today, and I'm like. Oh my God! I should have like followed up with him because he was he was basically trying to tell me that this was about to happen. Which even with him dropping those little hints, I didn't see coming. So Chris, where do you think he ends up? Because I'm kind of dreaming about the Lakers, but I don't know. Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns. Really? Wow! You went right to that. Well, here's the deal, right? Yeah. I'm saying this now as Isaiah's like you know. Chris Paul for Kyrie would be good. And I'm like, what are you talking? Like, this no, who does who wants that? And I was like, oh. And then Chris Paul came back right after he said it. And I'm like, oh man, I don't I don't even think this even sounds good. None of it sounds good to me. I'm like, Kyrie with Brooklyn, the way he's playing, it looks great. But I'm telling you, I've learned to just listen and not just give what I think should happen, right? Like, if I was a GM on a video game, what would I do? Nope. These are the things that have been laid out in front of me, and I would say Kyrie to Phoenix is what's most likely to happen. Wow, LeBron's not going to like that. So then what do you think ends up happening with Kevin Durant, who's obviously out right now? You know, does he ask to get moved? Does he just play through this year? What do you think ends up happening with KD then? First point, I don't really have insight into that situation. Okay, point blank period. So this is different with the question about Kyrie, right? Um, what I think, if you trade, you know, Kyrie away and you get Chris Paul back, I don't know. I think Kevin Durant might stay pat and be like, all right, we can win with this, right? Like we got a floor general, guy's been in the finals. Like, look at how he's playing now. I don't know, but if you trade Kyrie and you get Lonnie Walker and Russell Westbrook. In the future, for KD is going to want out. Right. My thing is, if if you're looking to move Kyrie, you should be looking to move KD. And I think the Nets, that's the direction they want to go in. Uh, I've learned to look at the the scope from an owner's perspective. And when you start paying the luxury tax and dealing with circuses, and you know the Brooklyn Nets are in New York, right? And dealing with that circus off the floor uh, for some, you know, from a business perspective of some of the things that 
you know, Kyrie's been involved in. I think for the Nets making a, a clean break and starting over, I don't think that sounds like something they would be disinterested in, right? Like, why wouldn't they blow it up and start again? Talking to Chris Miles on the GetMyPhoenix.com guest line. The Phoenix is a revolutionary technology helping men all across America get back to the best in the bedroom. Visit BuyThePhoenix.com to learn more. So what do you think the price tag, the asking price would be for the Nets if they were to trade Kyrie Irving? Because obviously he's in a contract year, so that team trading for him would like to know that there's going to be a long-term agreement uh, or they just won't give up as much. No, 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 no. Kyrie's looking for a long-term deal. Well, so that's what I mean. So are teams so are, are teams basically going to look at this more as a rest-of-the-year rental? Do you think there's going to be a long-term commitment from anybody that trades for him then? I'll tell you this. I think the Phoenix Suns would be looking, all right, here's a two-year extension. You know, be on your best behavior. You're not in New York or L.A., right? Like, it's kind of a good place for you. Uh, you're a holistic lifestyle or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I, I think I could see the Suns also offering. Now, here's the crazy part. Kyrie wanted more years and more financial stability, but by asking out of Brooklyn, he kind of waives that, right? Because he can only get two years, and I say that, up to $78 million, right? Which would probably be his last big contract. So it's just, it's really interesting in the sense that if he stayed in Brooklyn and they re-sign him, they could re-sign him for four years, and other teams would not have that uh, option. Man, so I, I mean, I thought this was going to be a boring trade deadline. Yeah. Now this is getting crazy. You know, we were talking about this last night. We thought maybe a couple of weeks ago there was the potential of somebody like Trey Young getting moved. Um, do you think anything else crazy? Like, do you think any other big names are going to drop here the next couple of days? Somebody else unhappy, or do you think, you know, the what, what else do you think goes down here the next week? I think what I predict will happen is that uh, two things. If it goes in this direction. Uh, Kyrie and the Nets go, hey, hey, this is too much. Let's re-sign. We got KD on the books. We'll put you on the books as long as KD is on the books. We're good to go. We're good to go. All right, let's get this behind us, right? Then I think everything stops and slows down. If Kyrie gets moved, now here's the other thing. The Suns are in a position where they're having an ownership change. So I don't even know if they can move forward with this, right? Mm, so like I look at yeah. the Phoenix Suns in my mind as a destination, and I think we're in a holding holding pattern until next week. So it's like, okay, if that's the case, then you can't move Kyrie to next week and everybody waits. But we've seen that before. Last year with the James Harden trade, I remember I was working, and it happened at the start of the trade deadline, and then boom, 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 all the dominoes fell. I think if Kyrie gets moved, then the Nets might have a plan and play Kyrie first, then KD, then Ben Simmons. Like, what are you doing with Ben Simmons if KD and Kyrie are not there? That would be right. wild, though. Like You're talking about Kyrie, then them working it out and keeping him there. To have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving request trades and then stay in Brooklyn, like that's the anti-NBA, is stars requesting trades and then not actually getting traded. But, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, in some ways, it's like I watch this and go, that, that Nets team had all this talent, and then they had this moment where they put things together. What, what do you think of the job that Jacques Vaughn has done so far as a head coach? Because now it looks like, hey, man, he's going to have to deal with some of the stuff that Steve Nash had to deal with. Well, uh, big difference. I think that Jacques has done a much better job mm-hmm. of everybody buying in and, you know, dealing with the injuries and still winning basketball games. That, that's the number one difference, I think. But uh, for Jacques Vaughn, I mean, you know, he was, the, he was looking to, to get that position before Steve Nash. So I think what he walked into was a better situation than the one that he was previously trying to attain. 
Um, I, I think he's done a good job. I, I just think it's a really tough situation now with Kyrie saying this because you're like, as a coach, you're like, hey, you bought into everything. You did everything I asked for. But if you really pay attention, Kyrie did that just so he could have leverage in this situation. Chris, uh, so good news for my Bucks. They're eight and two. Giannis last <laughs> night drops a fifty piece, so that was good to see. Big win over the Clippers. But the team I want to ask you about actually in the East, now with the Nets, man. I mean, I know they weren't playing their best basketball. They're four and six in their last ten, but we figured KD was coming back and they'd get right. Philly's eight and two in their last ten. I never buy into Philly and Doc Rivers, but Embiid's playing like an MVP right now. Is Philadelphia for real now if you know the Nets move on from KD? Obviously the Bucks and the Celtics are there, but do you take Philadelphia a little bit more seriously now? No, I still don't believe in them. I think what happened was this. The 76ers had a good regular season team. I always thought they'd win 55 to 60 games this regular season. thought so. And Bede has proven for the past four years that he's a dominant force when he plays in the regular season. Point blank periods, right? And I put those things together. Now, what I also saw from the 76ers, they were like, remember covering Virginia Tech when they were trying to go to the NCAA tournament under Seth Greenberg, and it would be like a first-ranked Wake Forest, right, or, you know, number one Duke or number one North Carolina, like three consecutive weeks, and then like on Tuesday lose to Boston College. One of those losses by the 76ers was to the Orlando Magic, right? Like in the sense of they came out, they, they dominated early, and the Magic punched them right in the mouth. And, and I watched them play the Magic again two nights later, and it was a dogfight to the end. And I just don't know if the Philadelphia 76ers have that, like, kill switch, other than when Embiid faced Nikola Jokic, right? He's like, oh, I was an MVP the last two years. Yep. I'm going to turn it on for a game, and everybody's going to see this and think I belong, I need to be the MVP. It's not, for, to me, I look at Joel Embiid like you want to be MVP, advance to the Eastern Conference Finals, and just do what you've already been doing. You don't have to show up Nikola Jokic, and that's where I just – I don't know. They, they've been front runners the past couple of seasons and they get to the playoffs and it's like crying in bead face. I just <laughs> yeah. I don't believe in it until I see it in May or two, just because of that, especially not just going out. It's how he's gone out the past couple of years. Chris, what do you make of the uh, Dylan Brooks, Donovan Mitchell thing last night? And are the Grizzlies now the villains of the NBA? They're starting to get that almost. I mean, they're not the bad boy Pistons by any stretch. That was a different era of basketball, but they're certainly embracing the, uh, the villain image, it seems like, at this point. Hey, man, you can't be the bad boys and you, you punch someone in the groin and then get your butt whipped, right? Right. You, you can't, and a guy that's a lot smaller than you. Like, Donovan Mitchell was about my height, and Dylan Brooks is, what, like 6'6", six, six, mm-hmm. right? And, and it looked funny. It was like, hold on. The guy the guy was killing you. He, you, you fall, and you punch him in the groin, and then he beats you up. Like, that is the antithesis of like that bad boy image. Um, I think, you know, I don't want to quote the wrong person here, but it's kind of like the Grizzlies look like the team that they are um, aggressive. They're fun to watch. They, they have great camaraderie, but man, they're not the bad boys, right? Like they're not the like gangster team that they like. And I think they need to lose some of that. Like if they're going to win, stop doing that part. The other part, we're all good with, but, like, you're not the grimy, like, beat-you-up team. Take that part out, and I think we can believe in them. And I think that's why they lose games the way they lose. Like, they'll go on an eight-game-win streak, then go on a five-game-losing streak. And I think part of that is they lose themselves a bit um, and get the wrong identity. Yeah, they're certainly trying. Uh, I love John Morant, as you know, but uh, I – 
That West is wide open, and it certainly gives the Grizzlies a chance to get through. But if Kyrie goes to the Lakers, I don't know. We'll see. Chris Miles, NBA TV. I, I know you got off a flight. I know you got a busy weekend. Your TNT debut. Congratulations on that. Looking forward to watching you. And uh, thanks for coming on. Giving us some time, man. 